Welcome to the Wellness Renegade podcast. We'll explore the crossroads of wellness entrepreneurs like you and me who are committed to making money while living healthier lives. People who are going against big pharma, insurance conglomerates, and the mainstream medical world. We'll be journeying into the challenges and breakthroughs it takes to own your own business, pay the path through mainstream medical care, and truly become a wellness renegade. I'm Jason Stein, and I'm here today with Christine Delosier. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, and thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so happy you said yes, because uh, you're also a Chinese medicine expert. You're an acupuncturist herbalist, but you just wrote this great book, Diet for Great Sex. And so tell us a little bit about you and how you got the idea for this. Sure. So I've always been kind of obsessed with health and nutrition and food in general. I'm a whole lot of foodie. I love the aesthetic of food. I take pics of food. I take the extra time to just make things look nice. Um, But also, you know, before I became an acupuncturist in private practice, specializing in sexual health, I was trained as a research scientist. And so I kind of brought that to the table as well. And when I was treating patients and, you know, as you know, as practitioners of Chinese medicine, we are always looking to treat the root of wellness, not just the branches, not just the symptoms. We're looking to treat the root. And so when we're thinking about something like sexual health, we have to include diet in that root. So I worked with patients to... Uh, to come up with dietary strategies to support their goals. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to look in the medical literature to see what kind of evidence there was to support that link. And so my book focuses on how to eat for sexual health, and it takes into consideration a lot of the modern research while honoring the wisdom of traditional Chinese medicine. And there's not much that's that's incompatible with um, one another. It's it's just a different way of looking at things for the most part. We we know we want to move chi and blood. Uh, you know we we want um, you know for sexual function, and so in in doing this, I um, I reviewed a ton of clinical and epidemiological research in formulating this this plan. So everything is backed by science, but it's also through the lens of traditional Chinese medicine as well. Now let's go back back for a second before the book's written. Like how do you get uh, your patients in the beginning to even talk about their sex life? I didn't have to, I was treating, you know, as most of us, our bread and butter is usually, you know, things like back pain, neck pain, headaches, things like that. And one of the patients I was treating for low back pain one day said to me, you know, is there anything that you could do to help me have stronger erections? And I said, you know what? Hey, I'll, I'll give it a try. Um, certainly, I it's something that I, you know, trained for in school, but it's not something that I've had the pleasure of treating. And so, one of the points that I I wanted to do was run one and do one on this particular patient. So, for, the, was, for the listeners <laughs> that don't know, those are points on the body around the genitals. Yeah, one of them's in the perineum. It's between the testicles and anus. And I was so nervous about asking this guy if I could needle that. <laughs> it was the first time that I had um, that I wanted to. I was shortly out of um, acupuncture school. 
And I so sheepishly asked him, and he was so comfortable with it. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I treated this patient. He had great results. And uh, he was so happy, you know, really helped, you know, the issues that he was dealing with with his wife, you know, some intimacy issues and, you know, that were caused by uh, the, the problems he was having. So it really helped to um, helped to enhance his life and, and his, his connection with his partner. Then I treated a few more patients for sexual health and they also had really good results. And I thought, wow, you know, this is something that's really hard to treat, period. It's hard to treat with Western medicine. It's, it's hard to treat. And the fact that we're getting such good results, it made me want to treat more patients like that. So I, I just decided to specialize in, in that because I thought, wow, I, I actually have the ability to make a difference in people's lives. So that's what got me there. I imagine there was a line at the door. I, I have a uh, past client, Danny Bruner, out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and she does a ED protocol, erectile dysfunction. And man, who knew there were that many men struggling with erections? I had no idea. But the go-to is usually Viagra or some other thing, but it doesn't create any connection in the bedroom. Right. So uh, I love where you're going with this. Now, where did you, you said you've always been a foodie, but how did you start to pair this, you know, I, I don't even know because I, I haven't read the book yet. I, I don't know what foods are good for erections. So well, let's just go back to the basics um, for a moment. Let's think about what it means to have great sex. You know, when we think about great sex, we think of the right partner, the right mood. We think of all these psychological things, but physiologically great sex is when our nerves are firing strong, rapid impulses to and from the genitals. It's when the chi is strong and quick, you know, when, when we want it to be. It's when our blood vessels are delivering adequate blood flow and it's when our sex hormones are balanced. And of course, blood flow, we all know it's, it's important for male sexual health, but most people don't realize that when females have better blood flow, they have better sexual satisfaction. They have more lubrication. They have an easier time having orgasm. They have just more pleasure altogether. So it's important for, for male and female sexual health. And so food very much affects this trifecta of great sex. There are a lot of studies to support this. I was pretty amazed by how much research there is out there to show the effects that food has on sexual health. And so, you know, for example, something like antioxidants, antioxidants very clearly in research speed and strengthen nerve conduction. And when, for example, they've studied uh, patients with type two diabetes who were having sexual dysfunction, you know, reduced pleasure and they added antioxidants into their diets and they had better, um, more sexual satisfaction. Let's slow it down just a little bit. And for, for the listeners or viewers, like what's a antioxidant? So life causes stress. It causes what we call oxidative stress to our body, to our cells, to our, our tissues. And antioxidants, basically, um, they protect our tissues from this stress. They either prevent oxidation or they um, help uh, ameliorate the damage to, to tissues. So antioxidants are found in generally in fruits and vegetables. There are some superstars of antioxidants like spinach, like blueberries, things like that. But generally, if you're eating a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables, you're getting a lot of antioxidants. And, you know, I actually wrote a whole chapter on 
mushrooms because they're kind of antioxidant superstars, but they offer so much in the way of neurofunction and, and pretty much this entire trifecta of great sex. You know, they offer a lot to blood vessels, to nerves, um, to hormones. And so they're, they're just kind of wonderful to add to our diets. So Popeye and olive oil had great sex? Uh, yeah, I'm sure that they did. Yeah. <laughs> he was eating his fish. Quite honestly, if I'm being honest, that's probably the best thing that you could put in your body for great sex. Spinach or leafy greens in general. You know, if you look at other primates, you'll see that they eat loads and loads of leaves all the time. Uh, and so we too should be eating a lot more leaves. You know, we think of, of this balance, you know, the five flavors, the sweet, the salty, the um, sour, the bitter, you know, we're neglecting the bitter flavor, you know, which is what leafy greens bring to the table. And we favor the salty and the sweet flavors, um, you know, with all the processed foods in our diet, but leafy greens, they bring so much to the table. So they have their loads of antioxidants. They also really luxuriate the vessels. So they soften the inner lining of our blood vessels to help make them more elastic, more able to bring blood flow. They're high in dietary nitrates, which promote vascular health in general, and they even help balance sex hormones. So leafy greens reduce cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and, and it can sabotage your testosterone levels in male and female, you know, males and females. And that's both important for our libido, for our sexual health, for overall sexual function and pleasure. And are you finding that um, men and women are equally as motivated to change their diet? Or is there one that's like, like, I'm ready. And the other's like, I don't know. Well, I, I see more, I see more patients for sexual health that are male. Um, I see more people wanting to read my book who are female, you know, so um, <laughs> do they so leave I a copy it, on the table, on the kitchen table? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess, I guess, yeah, it, 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 at least from my experience, no, you know, I don't know. It, I guess it's kind of mixed. I don't know what I would say about that. I don't know who's more motivated, but I, I mean, people with a health mindset in general, you know, you can make small changes though. There's so many things I talk with my patients, even the most, you know, the, even the person who's eating McDonald's, you know, daily can make small changes. You know, you change your lunch, you know, let's say you, you stick with even if you're sticking with McDonald's for breakfast or McDonald's for dinner, if you can change your lunch, you can bring a lot to the table, you know? So one of the things I try to do is say, okay, let's focus on lunch. Try to every day when you're going to work, bring a big, huge leafy green salad, a spinach salad, and maybe a baked yam or something, which can bring some potassium and we can have a whole discussion about potassium and what it brings to sexual function. Um, but that actually kind of leads me to a, another off topic or, or another tangent rather, which is that, you know, what about salads and, you know, them being raw, you know, in traditional Chinese dietetics, we, uh, we learned that you're not supposed to eat raw foods that it can introduce pathogens into the body. It can weaken the spleen chi, you know, especially cold raw foods. And then we have modern science, which says that one of the best things that you can eat are, you know, salads, you know, raw salads and things like that. You can certainly steam them depending on your digestion, depending on how weak your spleen chi is. So for some people, they may want to be sauteing them. 
Um, the other thing is- I'll getting- just lay you down again. You're really, uh, you're, you're a clinician. So you automatically, <laughs> you're like spleen chi. And so for, for the viewers that aren't familiar with Chinese <laughs> medicine, that's just a diagnosis about, about an area of your body that has a weakness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in many ways, the spleen sheet can equates to our digestive microbiome uh, in many ways. So we can weaken that through a lot of different things, you know, whether it's antibiotics, whether it's cold herbs, you know, that sort of thing. But um, anyways, so my kind of reconciliation between those two is just making sure that if you are eating a salad, that it's extremely fresh. Um, so some of the stuff that I see in the grocery store is not fresh at all. It's in a package, it's in those clamshells. You open it up and your nose is met with this like really unpleasant aroma uh, and it's supposedly fresh, you know? I'm getting the visual. It's in a plastic container. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You it's- know, so you want it to be super fresh that so you're not introducing pathogens into your body. So the farmer's market is your friend. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm just fascinated by by the topic itself. And do you have patients that start changing their diet and then they're they're like, I didn't think great sex was possible again? Like they're blown away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> We've had, met a lot of patients um, who experience that. I mean, I have a lot of patients who are experienced that with acupuncture too. You know, I have you know a patient I was just treating recently. It's like he just thought that premature ejaculation was just part of his constitution and it completely went away and hasn't reared its face. You know, again, that was just from acupuncture. He has not made a lot of dietary changes, but, but, um, yeah, with, with diet, you can see changes in the short term and in the long run. After even a couple weeks of changing your diet, you may, you know, people, um, so oftentimes notice more sensitivity, easier time having an orgasm in the case for, um, for my female patients. So it does, there's even research to support that one single meal can have an effect on sexual function that night. So there are certain foods, for example, that'll tank your testosterone shortly after eating them. You eat a high sugar meal, um, that really spikes glucose, or you eat a really fatty meal. Both of those have shown to have been shown to, sharply drop testosterone after eating them. And that's definitely not what you want for the evening. And then on the other hand, there are other foods that have been shown to uh, improve blood flow shortly after. So they've actually measured this. They've measured arterial function um, like a couple hours after eating certain foods. And one of these categories of foods are leafy greens because any kind of food that's high in dietary nitrates. So that includes your beets, it includes leafy greens or celery. A lot of times athletes use these foods um, as either a pre-workout or just to, um, you know, improve performance uh, while they're, you know, competing and that sort of thing. But for the same reason, they're great for sex. So you include these dietary nitrates. A potassium-rich meal will also uh, improve blood flow in the short term. And then uh, another one is polyphenols. So I actually created a whole date night sex menu um, based on all of these little, uh, you know, research gems showing the the short term effects of of food. Now, where where does chocolate fall on this spectrum? So I, there's a chapter in my book on aphrodisiacs, and I basically tried to focus on ones that had some research to support their efficacy. 
chocolate's on every list of, you know, aphrodisiacs and it's been used, you know, throughout history, even as back as, as far back as, you know, Montezuma would supposedly drink like 50 cups of chocolate a day to satisfy all of his wives. <laughs> that sounds but, like there might have some myth involved with it, but okay, okay. Uh, well, the thing is, there's, there's, they've tried lots of times. This has been studied many times and uh, have, for the most part, failed to produce any results. Uh, you know, so the chocolate company created this story <laughs> that chocolate improves your sex life. Is, is is there no data that that there's no yeah, there's no there's no research to support that. Uh, however, actually I'll refer to my book. There is uh, you know, it does other things, I believe, for mood and things like that. So that's a kind of an indirect way to to get yourself ready for sex. If you're feeling good, you're more likely to, you know, be in the mood. Uh, and there's other foods like that too, like just vitamin C. Vitamin C rapidly improves mood. And I didn't see any studies on what that looked like chemically, you know, what chemicals we were talking about. Are we talking about dopamine? Are we talking about serotonin? But it does improve mood. And um, that, that would lead me to believe that it, that it would be a good thing to add, you know, date night, because, um, you know, of course, sexual function and pleasure involves this dopamine pathway. And when you're uh, chemically in a better place, you're gonna have a better time. I, I love that you're such you're such a like uh, neurotransmitter nerd. <laughs> you're like, okay, so tonight we're gonna have this special meal, and I feel I feel bad because I'm guessing alcohol, although it, it, it lessens the you know, uh, it builds your courage and and things like that. There, the the opposite side is probably not that good for you, and so yeah. I'm thinking about all those people that are going on a date to an Italian dinner, having buttery pasta, several glasses <laughs> of wine and, and like tiramisu for dessert. <laughs> and then they go home and they're like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's actually, a, I wrote a little story, kind of the, the same thing, you know, chicken Alfredo followed by uh, the creme brulee. Um, but uh, yes, you know, they, <sighs> There is, uh, let's see, well, can you repeat your question? Sorry. Oh, I, I there wasn't a question there. It's just like really um, what the media has trained us that is really going to get us in the mood and have us have a great sex life sounds. Yes. Like there's, there's no data points or metrics behind on the on the research. Oh, yeah. And you talked about alcohol. That's what it was. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But alcohol, yes. So... It is true. Alcohol really doesn't bring much to the table. And in fact, you can you could probably argue that it's that it's a detriment to great sex in the long term. But um, if you're going to drink and get yourself in the mood, it can help. And there are certain drinks that you can make that'll at least bring something to the table, you know, for sex. So, for example, I um, I just made recently this blackberry margarita, and I actually filmed it and, and posted it. It's you mash up some blackberries. You squeeze in, uh, you know, like a full lime, like, you know, full lime uh, juice and mix it with a little bit of tequila. I even mashed up a little bit of fresh thyme and threw it in there to kind of elevate the flavor and uh, serve it over ice. And it is actually delicious. You know, it was, it was really delicious. Yeah, it brings lots of vitamin C to the table. It brings your polyphenols to the table, your fresh thyme. So overall it had a lot to bring you know even though you had the alcohol in it so there's certain ones that 
are better choices than others. Now, is this your next book, like Cocktails for Great Sex? <laughs> I am such a foodie. I've been just kind of implementing the, um, you know, the the practices. What I should write is uh, my next book is Diet for Bad Sex. And then I could include all of the things that I love to eat that, are, <laughs> that taste great. <laughs> yeah. Homemade mac and cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So this is, I, I just, I love this because I, I think if the people of the world had healthier sex lives, the people of the world would be happier. Like, I, I really yeah. believe that. And so how many people do you think go and just start taking medication or get hopeless and feel like there's no hope at all? Like, is that like really, really common? It's super common. And the thing about it is that, that, <laughs> people don't realize as you very well know is that when you go to your doctor you're automatically going to get a pharmaceutical approach to whatever you're coming in to treat so you go to your doctor they're not going to for the most part talk to you about changing your diet um they're going to talk to you about what pill you can take whether it's viagra or cialis or any of those and so you know one of the first things that doctors think of when somebody comes in for erectile dysfunction, for example, is they think about heart disease because that's one of the early warnings of, of heart disease. And unfortunately, the arteries and the penis and the clitoris are among the smallest in the body. So when we get any amount of plaque accumulation, it shows up there in sexual function first. But depending on how occluded they are, you know, we the the time it takes to see results with something like diet does depend on how occluded those arteries are but if they're not fully occluded you can see results pretty quickly with diet and you know something like heart disease has always been thought of as progressive and irreversible and now they're finding that that's not entirely true there's actually uh leafy greens were shown in research to actually reverse some of that plaque accumulation, not uh, not all of it, but some of it. But it's still really uh, it's still really impressive that it has the ability to even do that. So if you're in the if you're just starting to you know notice a decline in sexual pleasure, for example, as a female, or or that erections are sometimes not as strong, you know that's the time to jump in, start really eating tons of leafy greens and of course the other stuff in the book. And you can see a major improvement quite rapidly. This is great. Like something as simple as, as bringing in some plant-based diet into your life can improve your sex life is pretty amazing. And I'm sure anyone who's vegan is like, yeah, I've been telling you that forever. <laughs> now, what about red meat? So, you know, that, that's an interesting question. The research very clearly shows that A, we're eating too much fat and B, that this affects our health in a negative way. However, on the other hand, meat does bring a lot to the table. It's one of the best ways to get your zinc, for example. Um, you know, there's zinc in, in uh, beans, you know, legumes, even grains, things like that, but they're attached to this thing called phytates. And so if you're not soaking your beans and your and your grains, then it still has those phytates with, which interfere with zinc absorption. So whereas something like meat, it's readily available, zinc, for example. And then of course you have the B12 issue. 
and you have uh, some other nutrients that, that meat does bring to the table. But having said that, we probably eat too much meat for sure. You know, we don't need to be eating. Don't, meat don't tell that to the paleo food. people. Don't tell that to the I, people. <laughs> I, I do. I eat a lot of meat, but I, it's all um, grass fed and locally sourced. So I think having a freezer full of a half cow is, is healthy. I do, I've done that too in the past. And um, yeah, I do the same thing. I try to be as humane as possible and as healthy as possible with, with my meat consumption. And I kind of feel like on an energetic level, I don't know if this sounds, it's going to sound weird to anybody, but I feel like taking into my body, the kind of energetics of this animal that's been, had a really, you know, inhumane life, you know, like some of the pigs that are raised, they have these quarters where they can't even turn around and everything. And when an animal is in so much stress and you're taking that meat into your body, it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, I, I don't think most people would eat any meat if they went to the farm that is like a, a big conglomerate and, uh, you know, chickens with three legs and no beak. and Yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, I've found that if you prepare and you get a freezer, if you can afford it, that going to farms that are uh, really you know, free range, uh, no hormones, no uh, GMO, uh, the price isn't that much different. Right. Yeah. If you can really get it in bulk. It? Yeah. I did that too. I think I bought a quarter cow one time and yeah, it was per pound. It was and quite it reasonable. Tastes so much better. Yeah, it really does. So there's a new book on the market um, called Countdown. It's uh, Shauna Swan and she's a researcher on how uh, it's phylates. Uh, there's bleaching of plastic that's going and causing testosterone and hormone problems for males and decreasing uh, the fertility rate by 1% per year. And all of my fertility clients are booming. Like I didn't realize that fertility was such a major issue. Uh, and I'm really curious in addition to great sex, are you finding that your patients are getting pregnant more often? Yeah, I do treat I do treat fit fertility patients, and the book could just as easily be called, you know, diet for fertility because you know fertility and great sex kind of operate on the same mechanism in the body. And you know, I actually have a chapter. There's two things on the chapter, uh, or two topics uh, that I have chapters on in the book, which talk about some of the environmental exposure that we have that absolutely 100% very clearly in research is affected, um, you know, affects our hormones, it affects our sex lives, it affects um, fertility. One of the things it our exposure to heavy metals and, you know, toxins, we get this from like that book that you mentioned um, from the plastics, we get it from our air, from our food, we get cadmium from our food sources, and less from organics, but it's still there because of the you know smelting. And people think that you need to like live next to a factory or, you know, so a dump site in order to have this environmental heavy metal exposure. And it's not true. The amount that we're exposed to is much greater than in past times. And this is for the average person. There's plenty of research to support it. And there's loads of research to show that it disrupts hormones so now, this is a really interesting question because i've been thinking about this and and uh 
it's a controversial question to even ask, but do you think the external pathogens that are disrupting hormones, especially in fetuses, is creating this new gender fluid community? Like people are evolving into this different place? You know, that that's a, I have not researched that well enough to, to make that kind of statement. What I do know is that very much people's hormones are being affected by our new, the new um, normal of, you know, toxin exposure, you know, so, so definitely there's hormonal effects that affects, you know, that affects everything, it affects weight, it affects, you know, other things. So for example, uh, I have a friend who his body just stopped producing testosterone and he became very sick. He was sick for years and nobody thought to check his testosterone and all of a sudden, you know, now he gets testosterone injections, but he was very sick for years. He gained a lot of weight as well. He gained over hundred pounds and just had no energy. Um, so, you know, this is affecting people more and more, whether or not how much of that was related to his exposure to environmental toxins, who knows, but it's happening more and more, you know, modernly. And so his diet, um, Talk to me just a little bit about environmental toxins. I'm guessing that diet really protects you um, a bit. Uh, What other things can people do with all the environmental toxins? Because it seems like in the U.S. at least, there's no regulations on new chemicals and people can just throw things out there. And I I live in the country and people are really responsible, but I noticed that someone was using some pesticides um, that like that just like leaches into the water and like all sorts of things happen, right? Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly enough, most of the research that I found showed that uh, diet does have a big effect and nutritional status has a big effect. So the higher our intake of minerals like um, magnesium, calcium, and zinc, the lower uh, we, uh, the less toxic heavy metals our bodies will absorb when we're exposed to them. For example, that's one thing that we can do to protect ourselves. Then there are other foods that we can eat that are called chelators, and they were actually shown in research to be more effective than the pharmaceutical chelators. So when somebody had a, an acute, wow. like a very specific exposure to mercury, for example, they the natural ones were were better at latching onto those and delivering them from the body. So a lot of those are things like cilantro, you know, onions, depending on. The, re- the research depends on which um, metal we're talking about, but, uh, you know, a lot of the, some of the leafy greens, you know, some of the cruciferous vegetables, for example, reduce absorption of certain toxic uh, heavy metals. And then some of them actually will reduce the levels in your body, in your tissue, in your tissues. Uh, so that's, so it's, and also the other thing is having a high intake of antioxidants helps combat the damage caused by exposure to these heavy metals because a lot of this damage is oxidative stress. Interesting. So cortisone goes up, oxidation happens, breaks down at a cellular level. And so uh, I'm really fascinated because you have done all the research in addition to like, this is probably good in theory. So you're looking at at the data points and, and, one of the things I'm really fascinated with, um, I grew up in the 70s and, you know, vitamin C and Linus Pauling and, you know, vitamin C was the go-to. And now I'm hearing uh, 
zinc on almost like with COVID as well, like zinc, vitamin D, I have two questions. One is um, for zinc, what superfoods are there? What foods do we get a lot of zinc in? Well, leafy greens, again, are one of them. So spinach, you know, romaine, green leaf, all of your lettuces that are nice and dark and green, you know, kale, that sort of thing. But also meat, red meat is a zinc superfood. So it's not in, in, you can't say the same about chicken or some of the others, you know, it's, it's way more in red meat. And so the second thing is this past year during the pandemic, people were afraid to go to the grocery store. I think Grubhub probably hit an all time high with any delivery service of restaurants to your, which is good because it saves some restaurants from closing. But, but my question is, why do you think there isn't more public health education about diet? Well, let's look at the basic, you know, where do doctors get their education from? The education is from the pharmaceutical industry. You know, so it, this, the whole premise of modern medicine is evidence-based medicine and evidence means research and who funds research. It's the pharmaceutical companies. There's very little research that they're getting exposed to that's, um, that's coming from other sources. So given that you kind of have all you need to know about why it's not a bigger push people in mainstream medicine are being taught by pharma if that makes sense yeah it makes sense and and i haven't done the research uh in the last five years but five years ago uh physicians were getting uh one class in nutrition in their entire medical career right so to me that that's mind-blowing that you go to school to help people as a doctor and you get one class in nutrition. And, and I hope that has changed since I. Yeah. And that's not to disparage any physicians at all. Um, you know, not in any way there are a lot of really, really great doctors out there who are doing everything that they can, but they have to look outside of, um, you know, that paradigm to, you know, so modern medicine, it does really well with things like acute, you know, heart attacks or, you know, broken arm. Yep. Stuff like that. It doesn't do so well with chronic illness, with inflammation, with any of those kind of conditions. And as a physician, you really have to look beyond that and look at things like nutrition to do you you think in the next 10 years, we're going to like have new drugs on the market, like kale and all spinach. like, (laughs) are they going to (laughs) try to like capture it into a pill? Yeah, if there's money to be made, you know. Okay. (laughs) I guess the supplement world does that, and some companies do a good job at it, but I know that uh, natural food source is always better than the supplementation when you you can get it that way. Absolutely. Like, for example, you know, dietary nitrates are – great for vascular health and they even immediately dilate blood vessel for more blood flow. So companies tried making these nitrate supplements, for example, and they were found to actually be detrimental to, to help, you know? So I feel, I too feel like getting your food, your nutrients from food sources is the best way. And, and so do you have strategic alliances that's like exercise for great sex so that you get them on the diet and then someone else gets them moving or is that something you do or? I got a chapter on exercise. I did do a little bit of research because it is fundamental. You know, it does affect your body chemistry. It affects your sex hormones. It affects your receptivity to sexual stimulation. 
And so it's, yeah, definitely really important. So there's a chapter on, on exercise as well. Is there a chapter on meditation? A little bit. There's a little bit. Not as much as there should be, given the fact that I'm, you know, a, a practitioner practitioner of Eastern medicine, but <laughs> there's a little, little part on that. Um, yeah. I mean, I recommended that people explore more in that as well, because it really does help to reduce cortisol, which again, can affect testosterone and, and sex hormones. I I'm just fascinated because we know this, but it, it's like pulling, you know, uh, it's like the wizard of Oz. It's like the more we talk about it, it's like, oh, yeah, my diet's pretty good, but I can make it even cleaner. And like, I, I have a really good sex life. I can say that on air. And why not make it even better? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I just I really appreciate having you today. And, and I want to um, help more people get turned on to your book. And so where, where can they find it? Uh, Amazon. It's called Diet for Great Sex. And yep, it's on Amazon. And if you want to find me, you can go to my website, which is dietforgreatsex.com. Great. And uh, we'll have all your links in the show notes if people want to follow you. Um, you want to give a shout out to any of your social channels right now? That uh, Yeah, I was so proud of this TikTok video that I just made. It didn't really do very well. I, I, I must be the only one who liked it. But <laughs> so I'm on TikTok as Diet for Great Sex. And also Instagram as Diet for Grace. I'm looking forward to seeing it. So I'll, I'll <laughs> throw the TikTok uh, uh, video or at least the channel into oh, the cool. show notes below. And <laughs> cool. again, I just I just so appreciate having you today because this channel is about renegades and you're definitely going up. Like your competition is Viagra and physicians that are just prescribing a pill for the problem. And I my guess is your patients are super happy and your readers are really excited to know that there's some empowerment things that they can do. Yeah. I really tried to make the book fun to read. So it's, I wanted it to be smart, funny and provide a ton of really useful information. <clears throat> and I think that I've done that, but uh, the feedback I'm getting is good. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Well, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much, Jason. And thank you for the listeners. If you enjoyed the episode, take a moment, like, comment, and subscribe. For more information about interviews and our services, check out wellnessrenegades.com.